again, this is Tori Kensington talking, and this is the Optimistic Almanac for Monday, September 25th, 2017. The first transatlantic voice telephone cable went into service today in 1956. When the first transatlantic telegraph cable was laid in 1858 by businessman Cyrus Field, it only operated for about three weeks, and subsequent attempts in 1865 and 66 were more successful. Although a telephone cable was discussed starting in the 1920s, to be practical it needed a number of technological advances which did not arrive until the 1940s. Starting in 1927, transatlantic telephone service was a shortwave radio-based operation. TAT-1, Transatlantic Telephone Number 1, was the first transatlantic telephone cable system. It was laid between Gallanock Bay near Oban, Scotland, and Clarenville in Newfoundland, between 1955 and 56 by the cable ship Monarch. It was inaugurated on today's date in 1956, initially carrying 36 telephone channels. In the first 24 hours of public service, there were 588 London to U.S. calls and 119 London to Canada calls. The capacity of the cable was soon increased to 48 channels. Later, an additional three channels were added by the use of sea carrier equipment. Time assessment speech interpolation was implemented on the TAT-1 cable in June of 1960 and effectively increased the cable's capacity from 37 to 72 speech circuits. TAT-1 was finally retired in 1978. The Moscow-Washington hotline was initially connected through this system. In all, there were seven versions of TAT cables laid from 1956 to 1994 using copper wire. The last, TAT-7, ran from New Jersey to England and began service with 4,000 channels, but with the final upgrade realized 10,500 voice channels. Many cables terminate in Newfoundland and Ireland, which lie on the Great Circle Route, the shortest route, from London to New York City. There's been a succession of newer transatlantic cable systems. All recent systems used fiber optic transmission and a self-healing ring topology. Late in the 20th century, communication satellite lost most of their North Atlantic telephone line traffic and business to these low-cost, high-capacity, low-latency cables. This advantage only increases over time as tighter cables provide higher speeds. The 2012 generation of cables dropped the transatlantic delay, according to Hibernia Atlantic deploying such a cable in 2012. It's also the birthday of Sheldon Allen Shell Silverstein, born in 1930, the American poet, singer, songwriter, cartoonist, screenwriter, and author of children's books. He styled himself as Uncle Shelby in some works. Translated into more than 30 languages, his books have sold over 20 million copies. He was a recipient of two Grammy Awards, as well as a Golden Globe and Academy Award nominee. Silverstein began drawing at age seven by tracing the works of cartoonist Al Cap. He told Publishers Weekly, quote, When I was a kid, 12 to 14, I'd much rather have been a good baseball player or a hit with the girls, but I couldn't play ball. I couldn't dance, and luckily the girls didn't want me. Not much could I do about that, so I started to draw and to write. I was also lucky that I didn't have anybody to copy, to be impressed by. 
I had developed my own style, and I was creating before I knew about Thurber, Benchley, Price, and Steinberg. I never saw their work till I was around 30. By the time till I got where I was attracting girls, I was already into work, and it was more important to me. Not that I wouldn't rather make love, but the work has become a habit. He was first published in the Roosevelt Torch, a student newspaper at Roosevelt University where he studied English after leaving the Art Institute of Chicago. During his time in the military, his cartoons were published in Pacific Stars and Stripes, where he had originally been assigned to do layout and paste-up. His first book, Take 10, a compilation of his military Take 10 cartoon series, was published by Stars and Stripes in 1955. He later said his time in college was a waste and would have been better spent traveling around the world meeting people. After returning to his home in Chicago, Silverstein began submitting cartoons to magazines while also selling hot dogs at Chicago ballparks. His cartoons began to appear in Look, Sports Illustrated, and This Week. In 1957, Silverstein became one of the leading cartoonists in Playboy, which sent him around the world to create an illustrated travel journal with reports from far-flung locales. During the 1950s and 60s, he produced 23 installments called Shell Silverstein Visits as a feature for Playboy. Employing a sketchbook format with typewriter-styled captions, he documented his own experiences, such as locations at a New Jersey nudist colony, the Chicago White Sox training camp, San Francisco's Haight-Ashbury district, Fire Island, Mexico, London, Paris, Spain, and Africa. In a Swiss village, he drew himself complaining, I'll give them 15 more minutes, and if nobody yodels, I'm going back to the hotel. These illustrated travel essays were collected by the publisher Fireside in Playboy's Silverstein Around the World, published in 2007, with a foreword by Hugh Hefner and an introduction by music journalist Mitch Myers. Silverstein had a popular following on Dr. Demento's radio show. Among his best-known comedy songs were Sarah Cynthia Sylvia Stout, Who Would Not Take the Garbage Out, and The Smoke Off, a tale of a contest to determine who could roll or smoke marijuana joints faster. I Got Stone and I Missed It, and Stacy Brown Got Two. He wrote The Father of a Boy Named Sue, in which he tells the story of the original song from the father's point of view, and the 1962 song Boa Constrictor, sung by a person who is being swallowed by a snake. Recorded by the folk group Peter, Paul, and Mary, and recorded by Johnny Cash for his 1966 album Everybody Loves a Nut, although it is now better known as a children's playground chant. Silverstein believed that written works needed to be read on paper, the correct paper for the particular work. He would usually not allow his poems or stories to be published unless he could choose the type, size, shape, color, and quality of the paper. Being a book collector, he took seriously the feel of the paper, the look of the book, the fonts, and the binding. Most of his books did not have paperback editions because he did not want to have his work to be diminished in any way. Silverstein's estate continues to control copyright permissions on his work and has blocked the quotations of that work in at least one biographical treatment. But here is a quote from Shel Silverstein on his birthday today. Tell me I'm clever. Tell me I'm kind. Tell me I'm talented. Tell me I'm cute. Tell me I'm sensitive, grateful, and wise. Tell me I'm perfect. But tell me the truth. 
The Optimistic Almanac is made possible each weekday morning by NPC, the national podcasting company, a 501c3 nonprofit, and is funded by our listeners. Thank you. Research for today's show was by Lexi Caligari. I'm Tori Kensington. Keep the faith, keep in love, and keep in touch. (laughs) 